G'day, I'm Nick Samios. Uh, welcome to Lunch Money, uh, Australia's leading show about workouts and special situations. Uh, brought to you by Hermes Capital, hermescapital.com.au. Uh, and today we have uh, what is a very special situation. We're going to be talking about uh, the IPO of IntelliCare. And it's, uh, it's special, obviously, because of the uh, the situation that we're in now in this COVID environment. And uh, we, hopefully we're going to learn some interesting lessons about how exactly it is you go about raising capital um, in, in this kind of environment and, and uh, hopefully there'll be some, some transferable tips that we talk about. Um, we've got uh, two of IntelliCare's directors with us today. Uh, I'll introduce them one at a time. I'll start off with Scott Taylor. G'day, Scott. How are you going? Yeah, very well, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Um, and uh, I'll start off. So, Scott, you're a non-executive director with uh, IntelliCare. Um, I, I, but obviously, you're also uh, the partner at Taylor, uh, Taylor David Lawyers in, uh, in in Brisbane. And we, I guess, you're more famous for restructuring. Um, certainly, in my work. And what else is keeping you busy this week? Really, just assisting people to access those packages, making sure they're aware of what some um, packages are available to them. Um, there are different packages in, in different states, so not all are applicable to everyone, and there's quite a few that have already uh, shut up. Um, I know the um, uh, Queensland state government um, stimulus package, I think, uh, stopped accepting applications on the 19th, so there's some urgency to a degree for people to actually put their applications in, and we're just right. ensuring they're educated enough uh, to um, ensure they are getting it in time. Right, right, right. Because you do have, I guess, the packages are a little bit different uh, state by state. Um, and are you finding that, so you're finding that people do need assistance in, uh, in putting them together? They do. I mean, a lot of people don't have all of their uh, financial data um, that um, is typically required for the application process. And there are quite a few that um, may fall short of approving for one element that might fall into the special case category that um, requires some assistance putting together um, a bit of commentary around that in order to get them over the line. Right, okay. So a little bit of uh, finessing. Very much so. Yeah, okay. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I guess you're probably like, the, 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 when it comes to the other big ticket items, uh, we're, we're all just still waiting to see. There's there's a little bit of inertia, well, a lot of inertia certainly we're seeing, uh, certainly around deals, you know, people are still waiting to see what happens and I'm sure there'll be some kind of announcement from the government today about the covers coming off. Um, okay, well, uh, I'll bring in now the CEO and MD of IntelliCare, Jason Wallen. How you doing? Very well. You've sort of been through these sorts of challenges before. I know that um, you started off uh, your career as a pilot in the RAAF. Yes, I've had quite a uh, sort of eclectic career, a non-typical background being a CEO in a listed company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so you, you were in the, in the RAF, uh, what, uh, 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, I started uh, life as a pilot in the Air Force um, and yeah. did that for 22 years. Yeah. Um, and after a, a successful career, I wanted to prove myself in another arena and also have some stability for our family. And so I got out in 2008 and held a range of roles since then that have led me through various general manager, project, um, capital and BD roles, yeah. and finally to being um, CEO of a listed company. 
I guess when it comes to the armed forces, the uh, yeah the guys in the in, uh, in the RAF or in uh, in the Air Force tend to be the more numerous. I suppose uh, I remember when I was a teenager, you, you sort of needed to be good at maths and physics, and uh, so I guess uh, all that project management and quantitative stuff would be reasonably natural to you. Is that a fair fair assessment? Yes, it is, but. It- when I was looking to get out, I spoke to a number of mentors um, who were in the private sector to work out what exactly it is um, that I had to offer a company because um, there's not many opportunities for military pilots unless you go into an airline. That's not what I wanted to do. Right. Um, and it turns out that the, the one skill that is very transferable is leadership, um, particularly leadership of multidisciplinary teams. And that's something that's not taught from the ground up in the private sector. It's sort of acquired on the way through but it's innate um, to your training and development in the military. So when you say leadership of multidisciplinary teams, um, so just dumb that down a little bit for us. Well, as a pilot in the Air Force, you are ultimately trained to become the chief of the Air Force Um, and being able to um, uh, manipulate an aircraft in in the cockpit is not necessarily the skill you need to be chief of Air Force. Um, you need to rely on your experts across multi-disciplines, such as engineering, operations, intelligence, finance, and it's the same in the private sector. Um, all yep. those disciplines are exactly the same. You, you'd only add on potentially sales and BD is the one that's slightly lacking. But nevertheless, in the military context, you still have to sell and you still have to develop the, the business to a high degree. So being able to coordinate all those arms and legs um, and bring them together under one strategic vision, that's the inherent part that I, I think I bring. I think too, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that uh, as a CEO, as a leader of the business, uh, all of those different parts of the business, any one of them could throw you under the bus and I imagine it would be the same in the air, as a pilot. You, you certainly don't want to upset the engineers or anyone who's prepping your aircraft or whatever it is. I guess you need everybody, uh, everybody uh, you know, doing their bit to, to not throw you under the bus. Yeah, as a, as a junior officer, you're very much trained, not by other officers, you're trained by the soldiers, sages, sailors and airmen that are around you, um, okay. and particularly the old and grumpy uh, sergeants and warrant officers. Um, wow. If you piss them off, you find out about it um, with a flip around the ears very politely. Um, Sir, don't do that again. Um, and uh, through that school of hard knocks, you, you quickly become um, assimilated to what your style of leadership needs to be. You can't mimic someone else or or right. copy them, you have to develop your own style. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm certainly trained to be a grumpy uh, grumpy old uh, uh, major or whatever you just said, said that. Now, now, I guess uh, looking at your uh, your history, um, this IntelliCare isn't, isn't, uh, isn't your first uh, rodeo. You're involved in a company called Spookfish. Tell us a little bit about that. Certainly. So Spookfish um, was uh, a listed company that, did geospatial imagery. It was competing um, another company, uh, Nearmap, primarily, um, and invented new technology. And so I took that from a, a stage in a similar point of its life cycle to IntelliCare, where at that point it was founder-led. Um, they'd come out of their R&D program and they're looking to commercialise. And it had very similar characteristics to IntelliCare in the sense that it was a uh, software as a service, a SaaS business model, so subscription-based primarily, and it was leveraging machine learning um, in the case of Spookfish, it was feature recognition through AI, um, identifying things like um, roads, and trees and things like that, whereas IntelliCare is about predictive analytics. And uh, lastly, I think IntelliCare has the advantage of um, a significant macro tailwind 
with regard to an ageing population that um, Spookfish didn't have. But nevertheless, we were ultimately able to exit from Spookfish. Um, we were acquired in December 2019 by a $30 billion North American private equity firm. Yeah, that was quite a story at the time. We, we just had the uh, we just had the the uh, West Australian uh, headline there, um, so it must have been uh, a bit of an interesting ride. As the, as the, it seemed to me that the price kept bidded up. Uh, is, that, is that right? It started somewhere and ended up much higher. That's correct. We were, at the end of the day, um, we were able to double the enterprise value at the point of point of sale from when, when I started. And now, now you, what were you, what you got engaged in Spookfish in the last couple of years, and then was that your role to, 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 to build it, to sell it? Not necessarily to sell it, but certainly to grow it as fast as I could. Um, yeah. So there, there was a, a, mind, uh, a mindfulness that a sale might be the exit strategy, but yeah. I didn't really let that distract me. Um, I'm just trying to grow it fast uh, and bring together all the, all, all the pieces, as I said, the arms and the legs. Um, so... The various founders all had um, significant expertise in their fields, whether it was technology, whether it was software, or whether it was sales. Um, but they needed to come together under one coherent um, banner, so, so to speak, um, and execute on a commercialization strategy. And we sort of pivoted away from, in Spookfish's case, where the product was the image. I thought the image was going to become commoditized, and the real product was the data and the AI and the analytics that fell out of the image. And it's a similar wow. strategy. And telecare. Yeah, that's very interesting, actually. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the data is, the, is was was the gold. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. to my mind, uh, if I if I start worrying about share price and I start worrying about exit strategies and those kinds of things, that's a distraction. Yeah. Um, sure. I sort of liken it to my my time in the military, where I spent. Um, I was fortunate enough to command our forces in Iraq, um, and during that period, I, I had to operate on and off out out of Baghdad, um, a very volatile little town at that stage, and we were operating out of uh, the Saddam Hussein's palace. And I was standing in line at Subway because it was an American headquarters and, and they have Subway McDonald's transported in, would you believe, in the market. And we would periodically get rocketed where the, the insurgents, they picked up all the old arms from Saddam Hussein's era and they put these rockets on a, on a sand dune and fire them off into the palace. Complex. And you'd stand there, I'll stand there once and boom, boom, boom. And we were getting we were getting rocketed. Um, you turn around, didn't hit me. Um, continue with my order for a, um, a half foot sub thanks. And and similar in the business environment, we felt a bit like going through the IPO. We're getting rocketed from all directions. But you control what you can control. Um, and and I don't get phased by by things going on around me. I can't control those things. They, I will pivot and I'll respond to them. But I manage what I can manage. And that's what I try to do with Spookvision. Is what I'm doing with Intellicare. You you can't let those other things like the market itself um, or an exit strategy per se um, distract you from your from your core goal. I love, uh, yeah, look, we won't dwell on it, but I love that. That pivot and respond it sounds like a, sounds like an Air Force thing. Again, I won't, I'll let that go, but that, that sounds interesting. I guess the other thing that I'm just minded of is that the famous saying, it was the cricketer that said something about pressure is a measurement up your ass or something. I can't remember the, the exact quote, but I'm sure that uh, lining up at, uh, in Baghdad for Subway and uh, having random attacks of uh, loose ordnance being thrown at you, that's uh, going to be a little bit different to boardroom pressure as well. Well, I, I taught um, uh, you know, students to fly in the Air Forces. Um, yeah. I finished up training off at Advanced Line Training School and I would say to the students, um, I can't pressure you. The only person that can pressure you or cause you stress is you. It's, yeah. it's your response and you can control your emotions and you can control your response to the environment. All right, well, we'll, um, we'll 
We'll show uh, just a little snippet of a video about IntelliCare shortly. I was just very interested, and we'll just touch on it quickly. How did uh, how did how did you guys meet? How did how did Scott how how did, how did you meet Jason? Was it a, is it like a, a Tinder for NEDs or what was the process? Not quite, Nick. No, just a, a mutual connection uh, that put us together. We were uh, actually Jason. You might probably be better placed to speak about some uh, the board and and, um, and how it was built. But there was quite a bit of work. Uh, going into to restructuring uh, the board. Well, let's, let's start off. Let's start off just. We'll uh, show the the video just so people know what we're talking about with Intellicare. So Intellicare is obviously the business that uh, is being IPO'd. Intellicare has designed a solution that allows people to remain in an independent living environment for longer. Intellicare uses data from smart sensors easily and unobtrusively installed around the house turning any home into a smart home. The home's artificial intelligence builds a normal domestic routine based off this data. It will alert family or caregivers to deviations from this routine. At any time, family or caregivers will be able to see that everything is okay via a daily message. If an issue is detected, the app will send you a push notification or insight. Okay, there you go. That was a, a snippet. So that's uh, that's just for everybody watching. That's what uh, that's what we're talking about. So um, I guess I'm interested, yeah, partly around how you put a board together, uh, Jason, but also how how have you sort of uh, funded pre you know pre IPO? How has the business been capitalised? Uh, sure. So I came on board in August um, last year, and that was the point um, where they were starting to look at going through an IPO. The founders at that point had done roadshows, particularly overseas in the United States and, and had been exploring the venture capital path. And there was an extremely high degree of interest at that stage. They knew they had something on their hands. And with uh, in conjunction with their corporate advisors, which included JP Equity as our lead manager and Discovery Capital as our corporate advisor, um, they came to the conclusion that an IPO was the, the best path. Um, I was introduced by Discovery Capital, um, introduced to them by one of the investors in Spookfish, one of the large investors there, who I guess um, rated what I did there and felt that I could add value to this company in a similar fashion. Um, Scott came to us through JP Equity and his relationships um, there. So we wanted a board that had the right level of expertise um, for a listed company. It's quite different to how it was structured prior to listing. Um, the company had very successfully had a number of capital raises Five family and friends, the typical bootstrap path. But then right. with JP Equity, they led them through two um, series of raises pre-IPO. Um, they got us through to the point um, um, where we could get to IPO. And we've just finished raising five and a half million and 20 cents um, a few weeks ago. Fantastic. I, I, I'm interested. I mean, again, I, I didn't know a lot about it. And, um, and Scott mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, I, I did a little bit of homework. And I guess, uh, you know, with all the, the problems with nursing homes uh, uh, in this particular pandemic environment, it's, it's almost like you're, uh, you're riding a wave in, I suppose. Is that fair to say? That, that's correct. I think, um, you know, without trying to sound opportunistic, COVID-19 is, is beneficial for us because it's done two key things. Firstly, it's accelerated everyone's digital transformation and in particular the aged care industry characterises laggards regard to technology, um, yeah. but now they're becoming um, adopters. Um, and secondly, more broadly, it is highlighting the need to protect those that are ageing um, and that the, the preferred outcome is not to go to a nursing home, is to age in home, um, age in place in your own home. 
yeah. and uh, I have to sell your home. And a, a nursing home is probably not the place you want to be. They've always been um, risky. Um, the average lifespan, uh, unfortunately, of someone in a nursing home is 18 months. Um, and um, if you can stay in your own home and use technology like IntelliCare to do that, it's a much better outcome. And that realisation is now front and centre in people's minds. I'm not sure if you've got something that uh, sends off an alarm when, uh, when, when the people breach the perimeter of the house, but certainly I need that. My parents haven't quite got the hang of uh, shelter in place just yet, but uh, we, won't, we, won't, we won't dwell on that too much. Um, so so um, there's, there's uh, I mean, how, how have you gone? One of the things obviously with an IPO is getting some sort of a handle on the valuation of the business, and I, I imagine that there's obviously a lot of blue sky both in Australia and abroad, particularly in the States, I guess, is your primary market. I mean, how do you, how do you go about placing a valuation on business? And is that, did that suddenly change when, uh, when this pandemic broke out? Um, no, it didn't change. We'd already um, set the valuation prior to it, um, and I don't think it was worth revisiting that other than acknowledging that um, it was probably going to be um, a contributing tailwind for us. The setting of the valuation is a bit of a dark art, really, and we wanted to make sure we positioned it at a price that was acceptable to the market that had um, uh, allows our investors to have access to um, upside without underselling the business. So we looked to keep it at around um, the 14 to $15 million market cap um, with, the, with an EV at around 10 to $11 million. and we felt that was the right position for its stage of development. The company is post-revenue. Um, and that was important um, as part of the valuation. It's not an R&D company. It's not something yeah. that is yet to be fully tested out and trialled. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't have a strong revenue stream to be able to point back to and develop multiples, for instance. So yeah. it is a bit of a, 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 a conversation that occurs between the board, um, the founders, and um, our lead managers, JP Equity. But there's obviously proof of concept and it's been commercialised and all that sort of stuff. So like you say, it's not a pure startup. It's it's um, it's early stage, you know, by all means. But That's correct. And I think that was one of the reasons why we were able to get it away during um, uh, the COVID-19 crisis. Initially, um, we'd done the roadshow groundwork prior to that. Um, and, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd done 60-plus investor presentations. Right. Um, but when COVID hit, it was a bit like catching a falling knife. So balancing... Um, the, the brokers who had trying to catch this falling knife with those that thought there might be a V-shaped recovery on the other side. And initially yeah. everyone's in the bunkers and, and, and it was just hard to get bandwidth because they were just trying to preserve the wealth of their customers. But then they saw buying opportunities that came out of that. Yeah. And there were three sort of key aspects that they looked at looked for, I think, within telecare. Firstly, it was a good product and it was post-revenue. Um, uh, secondly, there was this large macro tailwind um, with a growing yeah. and ageing population contributed by COVID-19. But yeah. lastly, I think this is a critical one. It's easy to understand. Um, yeah. People get it. You know, everyone's got a personal experience with a, a parent or a grandparent uh, that they're concerned about. So it's not like you need to discover or learn about rocks to China or drill results or understand deep pathology results or or any of those things in the typical technology or an R&D or, or, or early phase companies. Um, yeah. You can very, very much personally understand what we're trying to achieve. And, and once people... Be like the Warren Buffett things, you know. He he, he invests in companies that he knows and understands and, and consumes himself. Um, yeah. It's the same with intelligence. Yeah, and and uh, what, what what about yourself, um, Scott? What what sort of when you came to this, how did how did you see the opportunity? I had a um, an immediate um, understanding based on uh, on a personal experience with um, uh, my own family. 
Um, so it resonated almost immediately that something like this um, could actually be of assistance um, uh, not only to me, um, but um, uh, many others around me. And as Jason rightly pointed out, um, it's something that people quite easily understand and um, can quite easily relate to as well. Um, so for me, that was um, incredibly exciting. And um, uh, from there, um, uh, things progressed. And um, uh, I joined the board um, uh, in, uh, I believe, October last year. And uh, I guess, so the roadshow was, was done by the time COVID hit or were you were still in the late stages of the roadshow? We completed the roadshow. So we, we were poised and ready to go. Um, and we're looking for a, a timing mark. So there was post-roadshow, there's a bit of work to do, obviously, with the ASX and getting everything um, accredited and sorted out. And then COVID hit. And again, so it's like, it's like standing in line at Subway waiting to get your, your foot on <laughs> Sub and rockets come down. <laughs> and everyone, everyone hunkers for the bunkers. Um, but uh, we then looked for a window of opportunity. So uh, after uh, a short period, we saw that um, it had stabilised, the market had stabilised. Um, we spoke to our brokers um, who are now coming out and, and looking for those buying opportunities. Prior to that, you couldn't even get them on the phone. Um, right. They were just trying, trying to survive at that, that point. So right. we waited parts. Um, and then when we felt that there was a, a point where it had levelled, we came out and we launched. Um, it did fall momentarily afterwards, um, but we just ploughed our way through that. Again, control what you control, keep, keep getting the message. Yeah. And those um, brokers and investors that, that got it and understood it, um, the, the, for them the story hadn't changed. And, in, in fact, um, we have a number of investors who who sold out at a loss from their previous positions to buy into IntelliCare. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's a, a, a huge responsibility that now, now I bear, um, yeah. but I'm happy to take that. Um, but it demonstrates that the people were investing for the fundamentals, not just to look for a short-term bounce. Yeah, yeah. And what do you? Uh, and, and so, what, what's what, what, what's the, what are the next challenges in the business? Executing. Yeah, it's all about executing. It's all about sales. Um, so it's executing on that sales strategy and and going out through two formats: B two B and B two C. Yeah. Um, when people think of aged care, they think of um, residential nursing homes, people in, in aged care. And, and to be honest, Nick, that's, that's not our primary market. Our primary market is five times larger than that. It's home care services. Yeah. Um, these are organisations that are delivering services to people's homes. And those people have home care packages, funding from the government, and, and telecare is 100% subsidised by those packages. Right. And there's about 1.2 million people in that market. So we want to market to them through their home care service providers. Yeah. And then second to that is our B2C market, which, again, is another three to four times multiple of the home care market. There's about three to four to five million people in that and growing. Um, you, there's a whole – sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, um, I mean, have you had to change the, 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 the marketing plan? I mean, at the moment it's a bit hard to uh, – uh, I, I know in, in our business, I mean, you know, we've got uh, we've got people dedicated to sales and, and their job, there's a lot of foot slogging, you know, they, they make meetings and go and see people and all that sort of stuff and obviously it's a really difficult to do right, right at this very minute. Um, no, we haven't. Um, in fact, our, our workload's increased because of, because of the, the current situation where people have, have started coming to us in greater numbers. Yeah. Um, so our question is the same as all startups, how do you scale that? Um, so there is a foot slog. There are direct sales team who work the B2B market. 
but um, in parallel with that, we're setting up our off-the-shelf product that will be able to be marketed through e-commerce and digital and retail channels. And that's where we really start to scale, where we market to those people who don't receive Commonwealth funding, but may go to Bunnings, JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman, and buy it off-the-shelf from there. Wow, so it's in a a box, basically. Correct, correct. And it is now. Um, it's just that there's things we can do to improve that off-the-shelf product experience and, and to put in the back-end support, the customer experience team that sit there on the, on the chat line, um, the user guides and those kinds of things. And some things we do within the app to make that um, that journey, that customer journey, a little bit smoother than it currently is. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, look, we could go down so many paths. As you said, there's, there's already, you know, certain service providers, um, you know, I'm thinking of people that come clean the house and, you know, whack, whack against the sound and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there's a whole, uh, you know, there is, there is. it's not totally blue ocean, but it's uh, certainly a, a new slice. I'm wondering, um, you know, as I said, this is a, it is a special situation given that obviously it's a, you know, the, the, uh, the, the nature of the IPO and the environment that we're in. I mean, what, what, Scott, what, what sort of transferable skills do you think there are in just broader capital raising, be it debt or equity, um, you know, the, 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 what things have, have you learned out of this process that you think are transferable? Uh, just in applying the, the IntelliCare IPO experience from my personal perspective, um, I think it's important to note that um, IntelliCare had proven systems uh, in the field prior to deciding to list. So um, whilst it may have applications in the COVID-19 um, uh, situation, um, the original plan um, to list was certainly not designed around um, or prepared with COVID-19 enforced articles. Um, so even with this potential application, uh, raising capital in a pandemic um, is certainly going to be challenging. Um, the pool of, in, of potential investors, uh, of course, um, was significantly decreased. Um, but as Jason rightly pointed out, before we did have people selling out of their positions at a loss, uh, simply to uh, jump on board and, and join this IPO. Um, yes. So the fact that we were able to but raise the desired capital uh, is certainly a testament to the IntelliCare um, business itself, uh, along with Jason and, and the wider team at IntelliCare. So we've also been incredibly um, uh, grateful to have the backing of JP Equities uh, in Perth, along with Discovery Capital Partners. Um, so in terms of takeaway um, uh, points, I mean, I think having a business with uh, strong fundamentals um, is one of those um, uh, takeaways in addition to uh, taking calculated risks uh, with a well-conceived plan um, and, um, of course, just surrounding yourself with good people. Good good people. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And if I could just add something there, Nick, I would also mm-hmm. say that with Scott, um, it's great to have him on board because, um, as I said, during the restructure, we look to have a broad skill set. And Scott yeah. often deals with companies at the end of their life cycle in that, you know, yeah. in, that, in that crisis stage. And in a startup, you know, you're in a different stage. So we're able to look and, and glean from what those lessons learned and incorporate them in, in the startup stage. So we're structured well and we're positioned well to avoid the mistakes um, that others may have made that, um, his experience. Um, so it's very, very complimentary. It's very yin and yang. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking here. I mean, Scott said, uh, you know, you, you said fundamentals and I guess I wonder if, you know, I guess maybe a step one is sort of revisiting the fundamentals uh, in, in a capital raising process and I think communicating the fundamentals as well. I mean, um, you know, Jason, I think, made the reference to Warren Buffett a bit earlier about, uh, there's a famous re- reference about not investing in something you don't understand. So sometimes 
it, if something is understandable, it's just about making sure that it's, it's communicated, uh, communicated clearly. Um, and, uh, and and good people, good people as well. I mean, have you, have you was your team fully in place, or have you, have you built the team since COVID began? Started with a great team. Um, we've obviously built them out um, since then. The founders, um, Greg Leach, who's our chairman, and Mike Tappenden, who's our CTO, um, had already put their best and brightest into the team that they've used. Both those guys have been in IT and technology for 30 years. Um, they've already built and exited from other other companies, including Empire at EPD, a listed, another listed company. Um, wow. So they knew the kinds of developers they wanted to have on board. They brought them in and, and started it up. So um, I didn't have to do a lot of work there, although I will always emphasise that at the end of the day, it's all about the people and why military experience is very transmutable. Um, 80% of the stuff is people and and people don't change. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting comment. People don't change. I don't know. I mean, look, I, I, this whole uh, this whole pandemic thing. I, I mean, I think the world is going to be. It's going to look very different uh, when we when we come out of this. And I, but I, I suppose that what you're doing now with with IntelliCare certainly fits into that fits into that landscape. Um, I mean, Scott. I mean, how how do you think your your role and your you know in your your practice uh, is going to change? Um, I, I suppose you know we we anticipate. You know, when the shutters come off the economy, I'm sure that your phone will be running off the hook for your uh, for your restructuring skills. I'm expecting once the uh, payments under the stimulus packages start to run out, um, yeah. that's what we're going to see um, a big hit and a, and a big influx in inquiry. Um, but once there is um, uh, the, these packages available, um, keeping people um, uh, floating uh, above water, um, I think um, uh, it will just ride itself out until that point in time. Yeah, I mean, systems certainly have a, have a way of adjusting. So I don't think things are going to be quite as catastrophic as some people are suggesting, because there's always there's always a, a natural balancing process um, that, that that happens. But um, I, I think that you know, I think one of the interesting things is going to be that uh, there's people have got enough capital to sort of hang in there until you know until the gates open again. And certainly, we're expecting that that, you know, that our phone will, will certainly start ringing a lot louder when people are looking for, for what I would call restart uh, restart capital. I also wonder whether or not um, if there's, you know, a company like, you know, like, like IntelliCare, if, you know, if they're the ones that have, that have been able to raise capital uh, under tough circumstances, you know, maybe there'll be yeah, M&A type opportunities or other, other sort of uh, non-organic growth opportunities down the path, do you think? I think with um, adversity, there's always opportunity. Um, yes. So um, I, I think we'll see a number of those um, opportunities uh, popping up over the next few months and beyond. Um, yes. And um, uh, there'll be plenty of opportunists, I, I assure you. Yeah, 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 sure. All right. Well, look, uh, I think that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up uh, just, just about there, I guess. Um, is there anything, that, uh, anything, any, anything further you'd like to add, Scott, that I may have uh, left out? No, thanks, Nick. It's been great. Great. Jason? No, thanks, Nick. I, I just sort of had the message out there that uh, it was great to see our IPO um, um, with bids in excess of what we're trying to raise. So there's demand out there, and I look forward to being delivered, having to deliver to those shareholders and for other people to come onto the register um, post-IPO. I, I just wanted to say, this is the first IPO in the, in the, in the pandemic, isn't it? There have been a couple of others. Um, right. There have been two, two others. Um, one did tremendously well. 
Um, the other went down, um, but they're, they're quite different. But the one that did very, very well, obviously, um, it also had a, a, a healthcare element to it. Um, right, so right. I think they went through to two to three times on opening and it's still sitting at two to three times. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, it's been a great opportunity for us to talk to you guys. We're very, very grateful. Um, grateful. It's a unique story um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a wonderful story. So um, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for coming on and uh, uh, we wish you every success uh, with IntelliCare uh, going forward. So uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you to... Um, Thank you to everybody for watching. I will say that uh, there's some of you that have uh, watched live on YouTube. Uh, we're also about to go, uh, we're about to launch this as a, an audio on a podcast, so you'll be able to get us on uh, Apple, uh, Google Play, Podkicker and Stitcher and all those sorts of good things. And, of course, if you go to homiescapital.com.au slash TV, you'll be able to watch this in replay. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Jason. And thank you to everybody for watching. Cheers.